This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. And welcome to the podcast. We're here with Leslie Bennett, Carly Seelman, myself, Jimmy Scroggins from high atop our studios at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. We're in the middle of a coronavirus crisis, Leslie. We are. This is crazy. This pandemic. We've never experienced anything like this in our lifetimes. No doubt about it. And it's changing Mm -hmm. the way that we do church. And you two are right at the forefront of it because you guys lead our communications group and help us think through how we're going to do church when we can't gather face to face. That's right. And it's been so rapid. I mean, it's just been, we've just have responding as quickly as we can, but then once we respond, it changes and we have to respond again. So we're trying yeah. to keep it out there, keep in the front of it. And we're so grateful for your leadership. We pulled together on Monday. We've got some teams in place. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do church pretty differently for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, we're normally a face-to-face church. Face-to-face is one of our values. So we have a lot of face-to-face meetings. We have a lot of face-to-face gatherings. We usually only use online and video so that people who are not able to be there can kind of watch almost like voyeuristically. They just peer in. We really don't even play to the camera and we haven't worked hard to develop any kind of an online community or anything, but now I kind of regret that. Yeah, I don't know if I regret it, but I would say that I love our strategy of being a network of neighborhood churches. And just so our listeners understand, we have 13 different campuses from about 75 average attendance to 1,700. And so we're having to try to help everybody navigate this. And we do live streaming from our location here at Family Church downtown. And like you said, we haven't tried to develop an online campus. It's just something that we offer for people who might want to tune in because our value is on the neighborhood pastor in the neighborhood building, right. speaking the neighborhood language. Right. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish. You have a very incarnational model, but now out of necessity, we're going to shift to an online presence for all the communication and not only just our communication in terms of our public facing activities and events, but our internal communications and our internal meetings. That's right. So everything's changing. guidelines keep getting smaller and smaller. So that's what we wanted to talk about today is how do we look at this issue of social distancing? Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever heard that term before this? No, I think it's a new term, but I think we're going to use it the rest of our lives. I guess so. Yeah, I'd never heard it before either. So social distancing. So what does that look like for churches? How should we respond to this? So what would you say, Jimmy, how would you advise pastors of any size church? One of the things that I think is social distancing is the is the method that our government and our health officials have chosen to try to combat the virus. Mm-hmm. It's what they've tried to do worldwide, and we think that they've actually had some success in tamping down the spread of the virus in other places using social distancing. In other words, preventing face-to-face contact, keeping distance between people from three to six feet, avoiding face-to-face meetings as much as possible. So all of that are ways that we do social distancing. The problem is in church— my gosh, everything we do is face-to-face. I know. Yeah. So we did get together on Sunday. We thought we'd just have a small gathering of our staff so that we could do our online service. It was so hard not to hug each other, not to touch each other. (laughs) Right. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better and getting my elbow going. (laughs) Right. 
Well, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. You know, in my mind, the social distancing is actually just being socially responsible. So as churches, you know, I have a friend named Kitten Winton, who's a pastor at Idlewild Baptist Church, and he kind of gave us this outline, the reason that we're doing social distancing, precaution, protection, and perception. And I think that's an excellent outline and a way to think about why it's important for us to not only do social distancing at work or in terms of our public gatherings, but encouraging our church family actually not to gather. So different churches are doing different things. Every church, every pastor has to make their own decisions. But at Family Church, we've decided we're not encouraging anybody to gather at all. We're not encouraging house parties, small groups to gather, whether it's 10 people or less than 10 people. We just think the more we can teach people to stay away from one another, the better off that everybody is is going to be. That's right. So we're thinking through that. And what are we encouraging then instead? If you can't get together in person, what should you do? Well, there's a lot of great tools out there. So we think you can get together virtually. So for meetings, we're using different tools that you guys are kind of on the forefront of training our team to use. We use a an app called Teams, but there's also Google Hangouts. There's Zoom. There's a lot of tools that we can use for virtual meetings and get-togethers where you can actually see each other face-to-face. And for one-on-one or one-on-two, you can use you know, FaceTime or whatever. But there's a lot of opportunity to use technology at a very low cost or no cost to create face-to-face meetings. And we're doing the same thing uh, with Facebook. Facebook has really turned out to be a great tool because they've allowed churches to use their streaming service for free. And so churches of any size and basically any budget can stream whatever content they want from prayer time with the pastor to kids, Bible stories, to sermons on Sundays. And we would encourage our listeners to take advantage of all of that. Even if you're not very good at that kind of technology, you can learn how to do it. In my mind, it would be better for most churches to do something instead of just do nothing. But that would be our encouragement is for our listeners to take advantage of those things that are out there. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put, we put together some teams to look at how do we do adult groups? How do we do students? How do we do kids? How do we produce more content overall, no matter what it looks like? So the thing that I'm loving about this is we're having to really innovate and just go for it. Sometimes we think long and hard about what we're going to do. And these kinds of situations just make you innovate something and decide to push go. Like right now, we're just going to record this podcast and talk about social (laughs) distancing. (laughs) That's exactly Um, right. So what are some other things that you would say? I mean, we talked about we're not encouraging people to gather in person. We're taking the guidelines seriously. We want to do our part. We also talked about it's one of the ways we can love our neighbors truly love yeah, our neighbors. that's exactly right. Well, the thing of it is, if you go out and you get with a bunch of people, you don't know what services they've touched. You don't know where they've been, who served them food, who touched their silverware. You don't know what's happening in their home. Well, a lot of people go home, like we have people on our team who have elderly parents living in the house with them. And so what I do doesn't just affect me because I can say, well, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus or my kids aren't. But what if someone lives with an elderly mom or an elderly grandparent? What I am exposed to and I pass along to them can be passed along and it can be deadly. And so part of loving our neighbors is let's tamp down the spread and especially keep vulnerable people from getting the disease or getting exposed to the disease. That's right. So what can we do then? How can we be, how can our pastors be pastors? How can we be leaders during this time? What what do you think we should be doing? Well, I think we ought to be trying to stay in contact, so we ought to use the phones. I know it's almost become taboo to call someone. If you call someone, they're like, hey, why are you calling me? Why don't you text me? I think this is a great opportunity to have a greater connection. So you can even text and set up a FaceTime call or call them on the phone. I think uh, letting 
people hear the voice of their pastors, their under shepherds is a powerful thing. And just to make clear, like our philosophy hasn't changed. We're a face-to-face church. We prioritize face-to-face connection and communication. And so our hope is that we use out of necessity this virtual season to continue to build connections so that one day uh, when we get the green light, we can gather face-to-face again. Mm -hmm. So our goal is not to replace face-to-face with something else. Our goal is to use this as a stopgap measure, but also to sharpen our skills and broaden our expertise so that when we gather face-to-face again, we can do so even more effectively and have better ways of connecting with people than we've ever had before. Yeah. So some people are saying this is going to change things forever. Like church may never be the same after this. What would you say to that? Well, there's a lot out there. So certain futurists and people who study these things have been saying for years that virtual church is actually the future and face-to-face church is passe. I could not disagree with that more. I do think that virtual environments, virtual communication, presentations are going to be a part of the future, but I still think the incarnational nature of Christianity is face-to-face, life-on-life connection. And so I think we as Christians are going to want to gather in a room where somebody that we know and knows us is going to teach us the Bible, where people that we know can hold us accountable for living lives worthy of the gospel and where we can encourage one another face to face and stir one another up to love and good deeds. So we don't want to neglect meeting together. And I don't think virtual meetings are what the Holy Spirit and the authors of scripture had in mind. Although out of necessity, I'm so thankful we live in a day where we can do this. I almost wonder if it will create more of a hunger that doesn't exist now because we have both things going on. And a lot of people say, oh, the kids are always on their screens. They're never interacting face to face. They don't know how to have a conversation. Maybe we're all going to get really tired of that. That would be nice. <laughs> I think there. I think there is. I mean, I feel it already. I mean, uh, when we had our little gathering of just a few people on Sunday to be in the room while we did our virtual church or online church or whatever we call it, mm-hmm. boy, it felt great to be in there together, didn't it? It sure did. Even though I felt a little guilty because like maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But man, you can just sense that when the green light comes and people can gather again, I think it's going to be a really joy-filled occasion. Again, it was changing so fast. So when we made the announcement on Friday that we weren't going to gather in person, that we were going to be online, but let's just get our staff together, that seemed like a really good idea. Well, by Sunday morning, it didn't seem like such a good idea anymore. So how do you think we can keep responding in a rapid fashion? Like, What should church teams be doing to try to be out front? Well, there's a couple things. One, I think we need to go to almost zero face-to-face meetings. Of course, people watching this are like, and what are you doing right hey, now? There's only th- well, don't do three. as we don't do as we do, do as we say. <laughs> so I do think that we ought to try to eliminate face-to-face meetings as much as possible in terms of but we still have to work. But in terms of gathering people from other places who aren't normally together, pulling them into rooms together, sharing surfaces that they're going to be touching and so forth. I just think we ought to go to zero on that. And I think that's what basically everybody's going to. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think churches need to think about what this means on a longer term. I've just seen so many friends of mine saying, hey, we're going to go worship online for the next two weeks. I think it's going to be more like 12 weeks or 15 weeks. I think this is going to extend well into the summer, maybe until the start of school in the fall. And so I think churches need to be preparing themselves for that. And there's a lot of implications of what that means for how we do church. Yeah, what does that mean? So what have we said to our team today so far when they've asked us, what are we going to do? What have we told them? 
Well, we're going to have church, but this we're going to do it. Tuesday, March 17th. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we've said we're going to do it. We're going to do it online. I mean, we're going to do everything online. We've talked about not spending any money because one of the big implications for a church like ours is if you're not meeting face-to-face, we have a good percentage of our giving that is done online or electronically, but there's also a healthy percentage of our giving that's done in person. And so that's going to go down. The economy is going to take a gigantic hit for a season. People are not going to be able to sell things. They're not going to be able to work. The whole hospitality industry is crushed down. So there's going to be whole segments of our church that are not in a position to give the way that they were. Plus, the stock market's crashing. So even people who normally are wealthy people who give out of wealth are going to feel maybe a little bit more cautious because their wealth has significantly reduced as the stock market's gone down. Our hope is that this will be a V-shaped recovery, that the economy will come back quickly, that the stock market will come back quickly, and by the end of the year, we'll be in good position again. But I think it's going to be tough sledding, and churches that have a lot of debt are going to have a difficult time because I think this is going to get a lot worse financially before it gets better. But when it gets better, I think it'll get better quickly. And then other things we've said is like we aren't going to plan for an in-person Easter. No, that's exactly right. We may, we're not going to plan for any kind of in-person gatherings for a while. And we're kind of looking at the summer. That's right. So we basically resigned ourselves. There's going to be no face-to-face Easter, no face-to-face Good Friday, Holy Week services. We don't think there's going to be anything like VBS, kids camp. We don't think there's going to be student camp this summer. We have no plans to go to the Southern Baptist Convention because we don't think it's going to happen. We just are basically ending all plans to travel, gather, you know, retreats, any kind of uh, conferences, canceled it all. We've ended hospitality spending. No one's taking anyone out to eat or anything. We've ended travel spending. We've taken up credit cards. We're getting super conservative so that we can make it through this crisis. And we are a conservative church. We have significant operating reserves. And yet, Boy, if you look at this thing going through the summer, it's going to get tough. Yeah. And we might not do that. So let's be clear. We might be able to do all of those things again, but we're just going to be planning for the worst. That's correct. And we're hoping for the best. That's correct. Because we want to be able to do this season as well as we can. Right. Great way to say that. So, all right. Well, any thoughts that you would offer um, a pastor of any size if if they're going to get up or tonight as they're going to bed, what should they be thinking about? Well, I don't want to be discouraging, but I will say, in my opinion, pastors ought to be leaders. Well, leaders have to define reality. The quicker the leader gets their mind around the actual situation, the quicker they can actually make a plan. And I would plan very conservatively. I would plan very pessimistically because if you do that and things turn around faster, then good on you. But if you plan too optimistically and you don't plan conservatively enough, You could lead your church right off the cliff. And I do think churches are going to go out of business during this season because the leaders have failed to understand the times and figure out what's going on in time to do something about it. All right. This has been Church for the Rest of Us on video. Carly and Leslie, thank you guys for joining us today. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.